The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. In today's message from the book of Job, we continue looking at God's response to Job and his friends. We are currently looking at how God takes care of his creation and how that providential care for the universe displays his majesty and glory. God points Job to this, as well as many other facts about himself, to remind them that he is God and they are not. You may recall that the theme of this portion of the book we're calling The Answer's God, What's the Question? Truly, our God is so great that he is the answer to every problem we could ever have in life. Join us as we continue looking at God's response to Job. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
All right, now look at verse 19. He's about to contrast the foolish and weak ostrich with a beautiful and powerful horse. Look here. Hast thou given the horse strength? Hast thou clothed his neck with thunder? Now we're not talking here about, most likely we're not talking here about just a regular horse that pulls a wagon and that sort of thing. We're talking about a war horse. We're talking about a majestic horse that is trained, because we're going to see that as we go. It says, Canst thou make him afraid as a grasshopper? The glory of his nostrils is terrible. He paweth in the valley. He rejoiceth in his strength. He goeth on to meet the armed men. See? He, this is a war horse. And you think about those war horses, horses that were used in battle. We can only see movies about it now. But I, even in the movies, battle is a, is, is a wild situation. Back in those days, particularly, they would just charge in there. The cavalry, uh, the cavalry would charge in, and they would be in the midst of shouting and screaming and the clash of weapons and all that. And yet the horses were trained to where they wouldn't bolt in fear. But God can make them. He can make them afraid as a grasshopper. And see, he says, he goes to meet the armed men. He mocketh at fear and is not affrighted. Neither turneth he back from the sword. The quiver rattleth against him, the glittering spear and the shield. I like this, verse 24. He swalloweth the ground with fierceness and rage. In other words, he's eating up the ground as he runs. <laughs> That's what we would say today. Look at him eating up that ground. He's so fast. And neither believeth he that it is the sound of the trumpet. In other words, he's, he's listening. He saith... He saith among the trumpets, ha ha, and he smelleth the battle afar off, and the thunder of the captains, and the shouting. This is a glorious war horse. Job, did you make this amazing, majestic war animal with strength and ability to face danger and to serve effectively on the field of battle? No, you didn't, Job. God did that. You've got this foolish animal over here. This ostrich that doesn't know, doesn't seem to have the sense that a majestic war animal like the horse has. God made both of them, and God takes care of both of them. Verse 26, I like this portion. He concludes this portion of his declarations of himself with a vision of the majestic hawk, and in particular the majestic eagle. Listen to this. Doth the hawk fly by thy wisdom and stretch her wings toward the south? Doth the eagle mount up at thy command and make her nest on high? She dwelleth and abideth on the rock, upon the crag of the rock and the strong place. From thence she seeketh the prey, and her eyes behold afar off. Her young ones also suck up blood, and where the slain are, there is she. Job, did you give the eagle the instinct to build a nest high up in the cliffs? Did you give the eagle the, the keen eyesight that, that allows it to see the prey from afar off? Job, did you give the hawk and the eagle the amazing skill to be able to swoop down and capture the prey that it's seen from so far away? Not Job, God. I mean, you think about this. I did a little research on the eagle. The grip of the eagle's talons is up to 10 times greater than that of a human. The strongest, I don't know if the bone is, bone is right, it's probably the strongest muscle. I guess it's the strongest muscle coupled with the bone is the jawbone. 
in a human being. And if I remember right, the, the, I don't remember the pressures of the numbers, but, but the, the jaw has a capacity to, uh, of 600, seemed like it was 600 pounds of pressure, and the eagle has 1,200 in its talons. You know, think about that. Um, the eyesight of an eagle is up to eight times better than that of a human being. I'll never forget some years ago when Meredith was a baby, we went up to Canada to visit uh, some friends, some relatives of ours who had a hunting camp up there and a fishing camp, and they took us fishing. And when I was out there on the boat, uh, uh, the guy that was guiding us, we caught, a, we caught a fish, and he took that fish and killed it and threw it in the water. He said, because it's way up in the sky, he had pointed out some bald eagles, and we could barely see them. They were just, a, just spots in the air. He said, now watch this. We're going to keep fishing and floating over here. Watch this. And about 10 minutes later, after we'd gotten far enough away, he said, look at there. That eagle that was so far up, I couldn't hardly see him, had seen that little fish about that long that he had thrown off into the water, and he came swooping down to get it. It was amazing to see that. Amazing. That eagle is able also to dive in such a way that their prey can't see them. Sometimes they've been known to dive in front of the sun with the sun to their back so that the sun is blinding the prey. That's how much sense they have that God has given them. They can turn their heads up to 210 degrees. You know, 180 degrees is, is that way and that way. That's the best a man can do. But the eagle can turn and look behind him, both sides. A golden eagle can dive at speeds over 150 miles per hour. And you understand that even catching prey in the water, if they hit the water at 150 miles per hour, it would kill them. But they are able, in their instinct, they are able to not kill themselves diving like that. Isn't that amazing? Job, did you do this? Did you make that eagle like that? Job can't answer because Job didn't do it. Which brings us to the first little interlude here in chapter 40 where Job gives his first answer for the first time he's able to respond. All these questions, I think we figured out there were 88 questions that God is going to ask. And he's asked about half of them so far, maybe a little more than half. And, and Job can't answer anything so far. But now God gives him a chance. Look at chapter 40 and verse 1. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? He that reproveth God... Let him answer it. Now, let me stop right there. You remember Job's request? You don't have to turn back over there, but back in Job chapter 16 and verse 21, he cried out, Oh, that one might plead for a man with God as a man pleadeth for his neighbor. In other words, I want some representation before the Lord because I've got a case. Chapter 33, 23 and verse 3, he said, Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. Job is ready to go before God and argue his case in chapter 23. But here God has given Job what he's asked for. Be careful what you ask for. You might get it. He said, okay, Job, 
You've been trying to instruct me. Now answer me. Here's your chance. <laughs> so what's Job's answer going to be? Well, look at verse 3. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. Once have I spoken, but I will not answer, yea, twice, but I will proceed no further. So God has presented his case, and now he's saying, Job, it's your turn. And Job wisely and accurately says, first of all, behold, I am vile. That word vile means to be contemptible or cursed or, or fleeting or slight or to be of little account. Job says, I'm of no account. I'm just of no account in your sight, God, which is the right answer. Remember Isaiah chapter 6? What happened when Isaiah saw God high and lifted up? He said, behold, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. I'm unclean. The people around me unclean. I'm no better. Job says, I'm vile. I'm vile. Job thought he had a case. But in verse 5, when God finished with Job, just the first half of his case against Job, Job realized he had nothing to say. Once have I spoken, but I will not answer. Yea, twice, but I will proceed no further. It reminds me of Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 32. If thou hast done foolishly in lifting up thyself, or if thou hast thought evil, Lay thy hand upon thy mouth. <laughs> you know, we said earlier something about the rule of holes. I learned that as a young lawyer. I was in trial advocacy class at the University of Alabama Law School. And an old judge, older judge, was teaching us how to argue cases and to act, you know, to uh, question people in court and all that. And so when it came my turn, I began to question a witness, and the witness wasn't answering like I thought they should, and I couldn't figure out how to get them to say what I wanted them to say, and it just kept on and getting worse and worse. And the judge stopped me. He said, son, you know the rule of holes? When you're in one, quit digging. <laughs> and I mentioned that earlier tonight, but uh, um, Job, Job knew the rule of holes. Job knew the rule of holes. He knew he was in a hole, and he quit digging. He said, I've spoken, yes, I have spoken once, but I'm not going to answer now. I've spoken twice, but I will proceed no further. I'm going to lay my hand upon my mouth. You know, God goes on here, and we're not going to go much further uh, tonight, but God goes on to respond to Job, uh, and he begins here in verses 6 through about verse 14 responding to Job's accusation that God is unjust. You remember that was one of the big things that, God, that Job was saying, God's just not just, you know. And, and you remember Elihu, if you remember, when Elihu started speaking, he was very angry at Job because, he, because Job had justified himself rather than God. He was saying, you know, I'm not being treated right. God's doing all this to me, and he's unjust in doing it. So look at what God says. Then answered the Lord unto Job out of the whirlwind and said, and by the way, Job has answered right. He's given the only answer man can give before God. You remember Romans chapter 3 after calling all the role of the wicked things that there's none righteous, no, not one. He said that, the whole, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. 
You make an argument before the judges of this land, but you have no argument in the courts of God. But praise God, we don't have to. Because you see, we have an advocate. We have an older brother that's going to take care of us. There were some times, I didn't do a very good job of it, there were some times, Brother Tim will tell you, when as his older brother I had to take care of him, or try to. Sometimes I wasn't able to. But I can tell you we have an older brother that has taken care of us. And the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Gird up now thy loins like a man. I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me. Wilt thou also disannul my judgment? Wilt thou condemn me that thou mayest be righteous? Job, you said that I'm not righteous. I'm not treating you right. Are you saying I am unrighteous? You know, sometimes people... Take that approach with God when they read clearly in the word of God that he has chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world. When he has clearly stated in the ninth chapter of Romans in particular that the doctrine of election is true and glorious, by the way, people will say that's not right. Is there unrighteousness with God? And the answer is God forbid. You know, Abraham asked the question in Genesis chapter 18. He said, shall, the, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? If you ever get God in the category of unrighteous, you've messed up. Either you don't understand God or you don't understand what you're reading in the Word of God. If you find a doctrine that you believe is unrighteous, that just means you've misunderstood it. Because God is always righteous. And he says, Job, are you going to disannul my judgment? Are you going to challenge me? Maybe, maybe you don't like something I've done. What are you going to do about it? Many times people don't like the doctrine of election. What are you going to do about it? It's a doctrine of Scripture. It's a doctrine of God. God has done this, and He always does right. Wilt thou condemn me that thou mayest be righteous? Hast thou an arm like God? And can, or canst thou thunder with a voice like Him? Now listen, I know He's talking about His majesty here, but I want you to think about it in terms of your eternal redemption here. If the eternal redemption of man is up to you, if it's up to you to reach him, if it's up to you to preach it in a way that they will respond to it, there are always going to be those who will not respond. There will always be those you just can't get to. Maybe you can't physically get to them. Maybe you just can't get to them in, a, in talking to them and in reasoning with them. You know, we're, we're told over in the book of 2 uh, Timothy, I believe it is, about the second chapter and 23rd or 24th verse, that the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle to all men, apt to teach, patient. And the idea there, he said, is if peradventure they might recover themselves out of the snare of the devil that are taken captive by him at his will. It said, if God might grant them repentance under the acknowledging of the truth. You see, God can do what we can't. He says, do you have an arm like God? Can you thunder with a voice like Him? Praise God, He can thunder louder than you can ever speak, but also He can speak to one that the thunder can't even reach. Jesus said, the hour is coming and now is, when they that are dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. And they that hear shall live. Not, you see, it's not the voice of the preacher. It's not the voice of the church member or the Bible tract or even the reading of the word. It's the voice of the Son of God. This is the voice he's talking about here. 
the voice that can even speak to the babe in the womb. The babe in the womb, like John the Baptist. He said, Deck now thyself with majesty and excellency, and array thyself with glory and beauty. Cast abroad the rags of thy wrath, and behold everyone that is proud, and abase him. <laughs> Look on everyone that is proud. Bring him low, and tread down the wicked in their place. Hide them in the dust together, and bind their faces in secret. Then will I also confess unto thee that thine own right hand can save thee. If you can bring the wicked down, if you can bring the proud to the dust. Job, you're complaining that I'm not righteous, that there are those that are prospering that are the wicked and that, that you're being tortured over here and, and afflicted, and yet you can't do anything about it. I can. I can. But he says, Job, he says, if you think you can do it, have at it, big boy. <laughs> And he says, Job, if you're able to do this, then I'll just hang up my divinity on a peg over here and you can be God. He said, if you can do it, I'll confess that your own right hand can save you. Well, we know that the answer there is that God has to do the saving if there's any saving done. You see, remember, as we bring this to a close, Yes, this is a glorious declaration of the power and majesty of God. But remember what James said. It's also a declaration that God is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Don't ever divorce his majesty from his pity and his mercy on his people. We're told that Jacob is the lot of his inheritance and the Lord's people is his portion. In other words, God loves us. Sometimes I get this idea in my mind that God the Father's up here in wrath and ready to destroy us while God the Son is over here saying, no, 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 don't do that, Lord. Don't do that, Father. That's not the way it is at all. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all on the same page. So when you read about the glorious power and majesty of God, remember that He also loves His people with an everlasting love. And everything here that would make the wicked tremble ought to make the just love Him even more. You see, the mercy of God is new every morning as was prayed in the prayer this evening. It's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. You see, His mercies are new every morning. He said, remember what I can do, Job. And remember, child of God, that that's the same God who sent His Son to die for you on Calvary. So don't divorce all of His power and, and, and omnipotence from His love for His people. You cannot do that. You know, I, I've been guilty of that. I've been guilty of getting so focused upon the omnipotence of God that I forgot about the love of God. And you see, they go hand in hand. Oh, praise God. He loves Job with an everlasting love. Just like he loved Jeremiah with an everlasting love. Just like he loves you, child of God, with an everlasting love that will never be thwarted, that will never be turned, and all this mighty power that he's declaring here and that he's going to tell us about when he really gets down to some, a couple of real specific examples of his marvelous creation that we'll see next time. All of that mighty power is turned toward your preservation and grace throughout all eternity. And it was displayed most clearly and effectually 
on the cross of Calvary when he laid down his life for his people and he saved his people from their sins. See, this God who can do all of this is the same God that saved us. Isn't that glorious? Because see, that's how we know, that's how we come to the conclusion that the God of Job is a God that's very pitiful and of tender mercies. He even took care of the silly ostrich. He'll take care of you, child of God. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.